Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Mental Health Check-In with your boy, Lee. Today, I have a special guest, um, Dr. Adam from Allied Psych. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well. Super excited about this. Thank you. That's good. Um, so let's get into this episode. But I just first want to say thank you for saying yes to come on and talk about mental health. I've been seeing like a lot of your reels. Or Instagram, so I've been excited to have, I've been excited to try to get you on here. I want to say thank you. No, my pleasure. I appreciate you reaching out, being persistent about it. Uh, not always the best with uh, responding, but no, this is important. Spreading the word, crushing, you know, getting rid of all the stigma about mental health and seeking help. So I'm here for it. Yes. So my first question is the question I ask all my guests when they come on, and I want to ask you: How is your mental health? Uh, my mental health, it's a work in progress. It it always is. Um, I mean, I've been feeling really good. I'm coming from a place of like really big stress uh, in my personal life. And there's always stress owning a private practice. But, you know, I, I'm doing the, I'm trying to do the things I know I need to do. I try to practice what I preach and uh, I I try not to ask clients to do anything I wouldn't be doing myself. Yeah. Um, I like to ask that question, right? Because, you know, like people that struggle with mental health issues, like we could be like, you ask somebody, how you doing, right? And growing up for me, I'll just say, I'm a, I was taught to say, you know, I'm doing okay. Don't tell nobody your business. But I feel like when you ask somebody, how's your mental health? It gives it a deeper conversation to have. Like, hey, I'm okay, but mentally I'm struggling. Mentally, I'm going through this. I got anxiety about this, you know? So I'd love to ask that question. It's one of my favorite questions to ask. And I'm probably never going to stop asking that question. <laughs> no, it's a solid question. Absolutely. Yes. But my second favorite follow-up question to that, right? And you can share how much as you want to share, but growing up, was it okay not to be okay for you? Yeah, um, it was, very thankfully. So I grew up in... Uh, northern New Jersey. Uh, I'm pretty transparent about like I don't hide it. I come from a very upper middle class white suburbia type neighborhood. And thankfully, my parents were always they were always there to support and give whatever support they could. And if they couldn't, they were quick to say like, all right, therapy, let's do it. Um and there were a lot of different things from the past where I I utilized that and I'm very grateful for that. And it's one of the reasons I became a therapist to help people going through similar type of situations, whether they, you know, initially when they were teens. Yeah, it is no right or wrong answer to that question. It I just love answering that, asking that question because like, we all grow up differently, right? And it's always hear, good to hear people different um backgrounds on to that question to that question because like we all grow up differently, different, you know, background, race, religion, or whatever it is. We all grow up differently. Some households would 
not okay to be okay. You know, you had to hide it somewhere. Okay, and stuff like that. But for I just sure. want to put it out there. There's no right or wrong. Um, for sure. Just to that question. Um, my next question for you, right? Um, there's a stigma, right, surrounding mental health, right? But there's also a stigma surrounding men's mental health, right? What do you say to that stigma, Dr. Adam, that they say that we can't be weak, we can't cry, we can't have emotions, we have to man up, right? I feel like the stigma sure. is getting a little better, but we still have so much work to do because the suicide rate in men is still high. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I think it's undeniable that it has gotten better. I agree. It's nowhere near where it should be. Um, and when people say like, oh, you know, going to therapy, I don't like talking about emotions, going to therapy is weak, needing help is weak. I got to do it on my own, whether, you know, for men, for sure, but women as well. And any other person that comes into therapy saying that, and my favorite comment back to them is what if asking for help was actually strength, right? It's easy to just not ask for help. It's easy not to be vulnerable. What most people have a hard time doing is being vulnerable, asking for help, putting themselves out there, whether it's a peer, a family member, or a professional like a therapist. And for me, if you're doing the thing that is not easy, that's work. That's hard. And anything that takes effort, that can't be weakness. So to me, weakness is not asking for help. It's not doing what you need to do to better yourself. When someone comes to me and they go, Adam, I want to start therapy. I've been dealing with X, Y, or Z. I don't know what to do, but I do know I need help. That's beautiful, right? That's someone coming to me saying, I want to fight. I just yeah. don't know how to fight. I don't have the tools. I don't have a weapon to fight this depression, this anxiety, this whatever it might be. Give me the tool. Give me a damn stick. And I will work to beat the F out of whatever is plaguing them. And to me, that's beautiful. That's strength. It's the opposite of weakness. That's true. Wow. That is that is true. Something that you said, like, what if we accept the help of um, strength? And some people need to hear that because they feel like they are a burden. They feel like, because of the stigma, they feel like their friends are going to clown them if they say, I'm depressed, you know, as a man. That's right. that's front upon, and um, it's like the stigma. Like I like I pray and hope that it gets better because like that suicide rate. I just wanted to come come down, and since we are talking about suicide, I want to ask you a question for our next segment. But I'm gonna answer the question first if you make you see if you feel comfortable answering. Um. I want to say, if anybody out there is struggling with any thoughts of suicide or suicide ideation, there is a suicide crisis number. The number is 988. It's easy to dial. They are available 365 days a year. Um, you could be bored, lonely, sad, depressed, or just need someone to talk to. Um, they will be there for you. Just please reach out, reach out. I also volunteer with NAMI Bus County as a group facilitator. They have free, free online 
online support groups. You don't have to go to Buck County. NAMI's all across the United States. They had different chapters and different affiliations. Um, you could definitely sign up or get into therapy. Um, like I would say, support groups are not intended to place therapy, but um, a therapist is a must. If you can't find one, just get into a support group because it's so awesome to be in a group setting with people that understand mental health problems because not everybody understands it and just want to put it out there. Not everybody understands it. But um, my question is, like I said, have you dealt with any thoughts of suicide? I'm going to answer it first. As a child, everybody knows my story. I was sexually abused by two of my male cousins. Then started dealing with it to like 26 and I'm like 23. I mean, I'll say 23. 26 when I'm 33 right now. And um. I didn't start dealing with it until I started going to church and like being around a lot of guys. And I realized that I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel like a man. I just didn't feel like I belonged. And people said I was standoffish. So I was like, okay, that trauma just came back to me and I had to deal with it. Um, mm -hmm. And that was traumatic. You know, I didn't go to a therapist to like after COVID because when COVID started, I was like, I don't need, I'm, I stay in the house. I don't be around nobody. This ain't going to bother me. I was completely wrong. It definitely it bothered me. I was definitely depressed. Suicide has always been on my mind. Still to this day, suicide is still on my mind. I still struggle. Um, lost my mom 2019 and liver cancer. And then nine months later, lost my sister. So, you know, grief, you know, dealing with mm -hmm. grief to people and just a tr um, childhood trauma is just like a lot. Sometimes I'm not going to lie to you. I did this podcast and, and I still struggle. I still sometimes think well, like what would life be if I wasn't here if I wasn't in pain because I feel like some people you get into this like I feel like some people that try the correct term die by suicide that wants to die by suicide it's not like it's like they're trying to escape their pain like they just don't want to be in pain no more and there is a light at the end of the tunnel I had to say that you know I feel like a hypocrite saying that but but somebody out there is listening there is like support out there Google is your best friend there are free resources out there you know um like i said 988 is the number nami has free online support groups like i said it's not intended to replace therapy but it's amazing to be in a group setting online or in person and talk about your mental health problems but go ahead dr adam yeah um i don't have a problem answering the question i think it's important to be open and honest uh, when i was younger my parents divorced when I was about 13 or 14, like separated when I was 13, divorced around like 14 or so. And during that time, there was one instance where I was contemplating self-harm. Um, I don't I don't believe I wanted to die. I very much wanted to live, uh, but I also feel like there was just a lack of maybe it was attention maybe it was feeling something and I had reached out to a friend let them know thankfully that friend told her mom her mom called my parent and I was checked on and all of that um other than that though I had a brother who had died um over a decade ago but when he was growing up throughout his adolescence and very beginning of his 20s, but mostly like adolescence, he had multiple 
attempts and yeah. thankfully he was he was never successful thankfully that's you know not he didn't end up taking his own life um but it was very much a focus around the family uh the family when that was happening and seeing a family come together and also like it's not always rosy not every family comes together in those moments some families and this is true for mine were very solution focused and yeah my parents made sure we were all okay and they explained it as best they could we were put in therapy again and all of those things but uh, everyone handles it differently and as many books that there are as many online resources that there are um, now and even less, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, no one or nothing can really prepare a family for those conversations. Yeah. And I explain to the families that come here, you know, parents feel like they they're awful parents. Like, I didn't know what to do. I should have seen them. Like, there's absolutely nothing anyone could have done. You're not supposed to know how to handle these types of conversations. That's why I have a fucking doctorate in psychology. I had to get trained on how to have these conversations and trained on how to teach you how to have these conversations. As a lay parent, not in the mental health field, how the fuck are you supposed to know? what to do you can't they're doing the best they could by coming to therapy and getting the help the support that they need yeah um, yeah i definitely agree with everything you said and i want to ask you one more thing before we go to the next segment um like why do you think like i have my opinion on why people mind goes to suicide right so Mm -hmm. It was so sad for me. Like um, one time, I remember I was in, I was facilitating, I was attending a group. And just before I attended a group, it was like this guy, this little kid, 13 year old, um, committed suicide. I mean, died by suicide. I'm sorry, I didn't really say committed, died by suicide. Mm-hmm. He was being bullied. The school didn't do nothing. His name is Drake and everything. Um, I felt like so bad for his mom and dad. They, they went up to the school, school never did nothing. And it just broke my heart that a 13 year old, just knew about suicide or yeah, I think he hung himself. Yeah. He hung himself. Yeah. Um, it just broke my heart that a child like that, especially was getting bullied, but the school didn't do nothing about it, but that he knew about suicide. So I feel like sometimes like for me, like when suicide come across my mind, I just like, like on some real shit, like yesterday I was so suicidal. Mm. I was like, I feel like if I'm not here, Every, all my problems and pain will go away and stuff like that. So I think, like, for me, it's just, like, always, like, pain and problems, like, missing my mom, you know, grief, you know, childhood trauma, stuff like that. It's just, like, you know, childhood trauma. People don't understand, when you sexually abuse, it destroys your confidence. It destroys your will to want to be here. Um, your trust in people makes you feel, like, it's, it makes you stand off. It makes you just, like, don't want to be around people or just trust so many people, stuff like that. I do have people I do trust, stuff like that. But when it comes yeah. to when it comes to men, it's not that many and stuff like that. So, like, yeah. it's like, what do you think about, like, people, like, why do they turn to suicide? It's a good question. Um, I've thought a lot about it just in the field of work I'm in, right? And 
I think everyone has a different reason, but maybe one common denominator. And, you know, obviously we're generalizing and I don't mean for it to be so simplistic, but um, I think by and large, people are just in so much fucking pain. And if you really think about this thought process, right, if we look at it through that lens, people are in so much pain that they decide not existing has to be better. Yeah. That I can't go on for one more day, one more minute. This is so fucking unbearable that not existing has to be worth it and you know when people talk about everyone would be better off without me I think that just speaks to not only how they view themselves but the burden they feel that they are yeah and again it's gotten to such a point if they're contemplating self-harm or contemplating suicide that they have this deep internal belief that things are not going to get better and the people in their lives are so bothered by how they present right that I'm doing everyone else a favor. And, you know, of course, that's not true. It shouldn't have to be said, but it does. That's never true. The people in your life, the people that love you, your friends, your family, they want you around. And oftentimes they don't know what to do. Again, like no one's really raised with this idea of how to have these conversations. And yes, it's gotten better in recent years, of course, but it's still this incredibly delicate situation and everyone kind of walks on eggshells around it. And that just feels even more isolating. Yeah. And that bolsters the feeling of, see, no one cares. No one, if people cared, they would talk to me about it. And I get it. And it's not true. Right. People can care and be terrified of making things worse. And the one thing I would beg anyone that is contemplating self-harm or contemplating taking their own life is find someone that you can trust to talk to and It doesn't have to be a professional. Of course, I would love for it to be a professional. But if not, if you don't have the funds for it, if it's too difficult, if you can't get there, that's fine, right? You could go to a crisis center. You could call 988. Um, There are a bunch of other hotlines that are way more specific for certain populations that you might find more relatable. There are multiple free support groups that are online or in person, obviously through NAMI, but other organizations as well. Um, It is just so important to not give up. And it is so important to see the value 
you have not just for yourself and your future, but to those around you. And when that's not enough for you, and let's be real about it, sometimes that's not going to be enough. Yeah. The one thing that I ask people to think about are your pets. Humans understand what suicide is. Yeah. Humans understand what happens when someone dies, no matter how it happens. But pets don't. One day you're there, the next day you're not. And no one can explain to your pet where you went, what happened, how you were feeling. So if you don't have a reason to stay alive, that's a human, fine. Stay alive for your pet because they need you. They want you around. They love you unconditionally. Um, it's just important to find any reason. And whether it's a dog, a cat, a fish, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Yeah. And what you had said stuck, you know, like I get like, you know, feeling like a burden and stuff like because sometimes like in my own personal struggles I feel like I'm a burden but then sometimes I feel like I mix people saying they love me that I mix it with like feeling sorry for me like I told people like oh you don't love me you know you just feel sorry for me and stuff because everything I've been through and stuff like that so I don't know mm. I feel like I'm blinded I don't know how to separate it or whatever like well, that two things could be true at once right I someone can feel sorry for you we're sorry for the things that you've had to experience. Yeah. And they could genuinely have love for you. Yeah. And often they should go hand in hand, right? Like if someone does have love for you, I would want them to have empathy for what you went through. And I think maybe what you're talking about is confusing the empathy that they're displaying and you interpreting that as more like pity and no one wants to feel pitied not really and it might be you know for you or whoever else um, how you phrase things to them when you ask for the type of support you're looking for if they say something and it doesn't hit for you that's okay they're not a mind reader again they don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're just doing the best they can. So it's a two-way street where someone has to, the person who's experiencing, you know, the suicidal ideations or just the, the sadness, whatever it might be, there is a level of responsibility where if someone is trying to be there for you, and it's just not what you need to hear. Don't give up on that person because they're yeah. not giving up on you. Instead, let them know like, hey, you know, I, I, I think I hear what you're trying to say. That doesn't really resonate with me in the future. Would it, would you, could you phrase it a different way? Or, you know, could you try to use, uh, can you explain in another way how you feel towards me or about my situation? Yeah, I'm not quite sure I get where you're coming from. And asking that can really then 
foster a better connection and it's a teaching moment where they know oh okay this is how so-and-so needs to hear that i care that i'm there for them whatever it might be um and that can be a world of difference yeah but i just want to say anybody out there that's struggling any thoughts of suicide any deep dark depression um the suicide crisis number is 988 please 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 use that number like i said they are available 365 days a year um you could be bored lonely need someone to talk to or just just super like real sad they are available no matter what um like i said nami west county has online support groups they have a warm line that's available 3 p.m to 10 p.m daily um and there's other if you're not in pa it's other nami's in different cities and states so please 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 reach out for some help um my next question for you dr adam is like what was your reason of being on this road to become dr adam like what what inspired you like what made you want to help people um well like i alluded a little bit before my parents divorced when or they separated when i was i think 13 or so divorced I finalized when I was 14 or 15. It was a really, really shitty, messy divorce. Uh, part of that process was me being put in therapy. The therapist I had seen literally sat me in front of a TV that was in his office. I remember playing video games and he sat on his computer. Um, I have this memory of him answering emails or like listening to a voicemail or something. And it wasn't every time I was there, but it was most of the time. Um, and I get, I probably didn't have a lot to say or didn't want to talk, but yeah, it was just such a shitty experience that I knew there had to be better. I knew I wanted to be better for people going through similar situations. And from that moment on, it was just a one track mind to become a therapist. And I even remember talking to my grandfather when I was 15, I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to be a therapist, whatever word I used. I probably wasn't therapist. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, you're young. You're going to change your mind. I was like, okay. And I haven't changed my mind. So oh, it was that. really just this desire to change what was out there and to provide a higher quality service to those seeking help. Yeah. And I commend you because you said you have a doctorate, right? Yeah, I do. That's a lot of school. <laughs> and I it is, yeah. We need more <laughs> therapists, especially male therapists. We need like more therapists and stuff like that. Because you know, like when you pick your therapist, you have your, you know, it's like I like I call it date your therapist. Like you just like got your picky pick or what you want. Like me. I always try to go for male therapists because I have issues with men or just like, you know, sexual abuse history. I try to go for a male therapist, which I got a female therapist now, which is amazing. It's in person. But I always used to try to go for that just to work. To, like if I can trust my therapist, I could probably trust other men. So like I commend you for all that school. Thank <laughs> and, you. Appreciate yeah, it. Like, what they say? Thank you for your services. Thank you for your services. Cause that is a lot. And hearing why you want to become one is amazing and i hope whoever's listening inspires them because we need more therapists in the world yeah we we do 
Um, and look, I'll, I'll add to that. <laughs> um, we need more ethical therapists out there. Oh, yeah. We There are a lot of therapists and unfortunately not everyone does it how they should. There are a lot of unethical, shady things that go on, um, big and small. And it's a it's a shame. But yeah, we need more therapists. There can I don't think there could ever be enough. I often say if I'm ever out of a job because there aren't people to help, then I will gladly retire. Unfortunately, I don't think that that's going to happen in my lifetime. But yeah. um, here's to hoping. And you said you have your own private practice, right? I do. Absolutely. Ally Psychological Services. It's in Doylestown. Um, it's ally, A-L-L-Y, site.com. Um, people can call, text, email to book appointments. We work with anyone, kids through adults. We do evaluations, therapy, couples therapy, group therapy. We offer ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. Um, whatever the community is looking for, I've built the practice to be able to offer that's good. That's good, man. Like your own practice with a school, you, you you worked hard for it. And I remember um at, I think it was a shrine event, you had a table out there. Was it shrine? Yeah. Was the Nami? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the stride event. Yeah. It was like two years ago. I think it was two years ago. Well, but, I had a table there two years ago, and then I had a table there this past year. I was the presenting sponsor this past um stride. Oh yeah, I didn't go to. I, it's a little far. But I'm from Philly. But I live yeah, in, no, that's a travel for you. From Delaware, yes. No, Philly. It was easy from Philly because like when I was in Philly, it was easy. But yeah, I was in Northeast, and the Northeast is not that far from there. But yeah, but um, my next question for you, right? It's I don't know if it's a question or just a conversation, right? So it's something that you know I follow your page and your reels. I think yep. are amazing. I think they Thank are you. dope. But <laughs> one particular reel stuck out for me, right? And before I say the real, right, I had this on my mind before I saw that real. Mm. It was the better help one, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. I personally thought, like, I was trying to sign up for it, and somebody recommended it to me. I was like, hold on, first of all, they want you to pay all this fucking money and stuff like that, which is weird. Like, to me, that's weird. So when I saw your real, I was dying. I was cracking the hell up because I just was like researching better help because I see that everywhere. It's on. They got YouTube ads, ads. I think they got like, yeah. like a lot of ads. So like yeah, they pay a lot of people a lot of money to say nice things about them. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, they, they have the advertisements and they have celebrities endorsing them. Um good for them, but it's it's misleading. And again, like I said in my reel, I don't have a problem with a company that offers services like BetterHelp. I have a problem when companies like BetterHelp advertise their services in a misleading way. Like if you ask someone, what does BetterHelp do? They're going to say therapy. And it's not. It's not fucking therapy. Yeah. It's it's support and beautiful. If they made it clear that they are not therapy. They are a support network that utilizes licensed therapists. Fucking great. Have at it. Yeah. Um, but not 
not therapy. Yeah, that's true. And I think when I saw that real, it made me understand it a little more. Because at first I was like, this is a little sketchy. You know, it may work for somebody else, but it, mm -hmm. I definitely knew it, that was not going to work for me because I'm like, okay, first they charge all this money up front. I forgot how much it was they were trying to charge me. And I was just like, yeah, I might as well just call the back of my insurance card and just, you know, because people don't know that. If people that's listening, you have insurance, you can definitely call the back of your insurance card. They can help you find a therapist in your networks. If a lot of people don't know that. Or psychology today is your best friend. You get to pick what options of a therapist you want. And that's amazing. I've used that plenty of times. Oh, absolutely. I fucking love psychology today. Um, it's it's where I direct most people that we can't help for one reason or another, whether you know, scheduling or just insurance, whatever. Um, I always tell them, go to psychology today. You could filter it based on the insurance you have, based on um, preferences for um, the gender of the therapist, specialties. It's it's awesome. Yeah, so awesome. Um, my next question for you, right? And the question is like, what are some good coping skills you could recommend to someone that's struggling with their mental health? And before Doctor Adam answers, I always put this out there. His coping skills that he recommended coping skills i recommend may not work for everybody but there are some out there that work for somebody i just want to put that out there yeah appreciate that disclaimer uh i'll add one i am not your therapist whoever is listening i am a therapist but i'm not your therapist um <laughs> unless you're a client of mine in which case you know whatever but um coping skills you know for stuff like this it's it's so hard to say because it depends on so many things like what works for one isn't going to work for another like what you mentioned but the go-to's that i everyone should at least try um i'm going to say deep breathing but what i really mean by deep breathing and i think people simplify deep breathing when they say that um deep breathing is hard it's like, it's literally hard to do. Um, Cause when I'm talking about it, I'm going to say, I want you breathing in for, let's just say three seconds, holding it for three seconds, exhaling for three seconds. And the trick to it is you gotta use all three seconds. You can't take one big ass breath in and then you're done, your lungs are full after a second and a half. And then you have another second and a half of like, oh, well, I'm, I'm holding it now. It's a slow and controlled process. And it takes practice because you don't know what your lung capacity actually is. So you have to slowly breathe in and then figure out how much effort you're putting in to fill your lungs within three seconds or at that three second mark and then holding it. And then again, the same thing. We don't want to just exhale super fucking fast and then all of the air is out of your lungs in a second yeah you want to slowly exhale all of that air so your lungs are emptied at that three second mark because if you're breathing in super fast it's a deep breath don't get me wrong but it's a fast deep breath and then if you're exhaling super fast that's mimicking what happens when people are anxious. Yeah. Right? Like that's 
it's, it's not shallow breathing, but it's like super fast and unregulated. And what we're trying to do is slow things down, gain a sense of control over our body. Because if we could control one thing in our body, which is breathing, that has so many impacts throughout the rest of our nervous system. And it is one of the most beneficial things anyone can do. And chances are, if you think you're deep breathing, you're doing it wrong and you need to practice. Yeah, that is so true. And I just want to say, like, you know, journaling, not for me, but just journaling is a good coping skill when we all have phones now. Like we all have smartphones and we have voice notes. You don't have to write a journal. If you're not a writer, you can do a voice journal. Um, walking. Um, it's been one time I actually walked when was talking to my therapist on the phone. That thing was so amazing. I don't know what the hell was going on, but <laughs> it was like amazing. I feel like I was letting a lot of stuff out. Um, exercise is amazing. I, I know everybody doesn't like exercising, but exercising is amazing. I remember one time when I was working out, um, I was depressed. Anytime I got depressed, I would go to the gym, like, and work it out. Just For sure. Out, and that definitely helped. Talking to someone, like I said earlier in the um, podcast, that not everybody understands mental health. And if that's okay, you know, not everybody gets it. You have to find somebody that you trust that will not try to fix your problems, but just listen. Because sometimes when we're dealing with our stuff, we don't want nobody to fix our problems. We want somebody to just listen to vent to and just be there for you. You know, it was that a hug or just listening to you, just, hey, come over or I'm coming over to hang out with you just to listen to you. Um, we just want to be heard and not feel like a problem that needs to be solved. So, yeah. Yeah. And my last question for you, right? Somebody that's listening to this podcast is struggling with their mental health, right? What can you tell them why is the most important thing that they put their mental health first, right? Because a lot of people that struggle with mental health issues, you know, being myself, we always put others before us, ourselves. Can you tell them why is it important that they put their mental health first? Yeah. Um, there are a lot of reasons, but what I'll go with for this talk is what I call the airplane model. Yeah. The airplane model, um, you know, most people, if they've been on, everyone that's been on an airplane, but if you haven't, before you take off, the flight attendants come up and they go through the safety check. And one of the things they explain is if there's, you know, low pressure in the cabin, emergency air masks are going to drop down in front of you, put it on yourself before you put it on someone else. Ooh. taking care of your mental health is the airplane mom because you need to take, you need to put your air mask on first. Yeah. And if you're a parent, they tell you, don't put it on your kid first, put it on yourself first, then put it on your kid. And that's kind of like this backwards mentality. Parents want to go like, no, 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 no. I'm going to help my kid first. Then I'll take care of me. But you're no good to your kid if you're struggling. Yeah. So we need to take care of ourselves. We need to put our air mask on first so that we could be the best version of ourselves to show up for other people so we can help them and, you know, do everything we can for them. Yeah, that that's, that is true. And I want to add, you cannot be there for others while your cup is empty you cannot pour mm -hmm. 
cup, you trust me, I've been in that predicament. I tried it. You cannot. You have to make sure your cup is filled before you can be there for others. You have to put yourself first because it is important that you put yourself first. You know, you are an amazing person. You are thoughtful for other people, but you have to put yourself first. Nobody's going to put your mental health first like you're going to put your mental health first. For sure. And I just want to say thank you, Dr. Adam, for coming on the podcast to talk mental health. But like, tell us what, what you got going on that's coming up, you know, in the future, anything. You just promote yourself. Like, what's going on? Yeah, thank you. Um, I started that uh, No Bullshit with Dr. Adam series on Instagram. Um, so honestly, the most the biggest thing is if people want to go follow that, the uh Instagram handle is ally psych PA uh, you know, for Instagram. And then I'm pretty sure it's the same one for TikTok. Not that I'm very active on that one, but follow that, follow along, interact with the reels. That'd be fucking amazing. Again, it's ally, A-L-L-Y, P-S-Y-C-H-P-A uh, for Instagram and TikTok. And other than that, if anyone is struggling, if anyone is looking for therapy or just wants to see if therapy is right for them, reach out to us. Uh, the website is allypsych.com. You can text us, email, phone call, whatever floats your boat. We'd love to talk with you and see if we'd be a good fit. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Adam, for coming on. Just thank you for saying yes. To come on a podcast to talk mental health, man. This was an amazing conversation. You know, left with some gems hitting my head. I'll definitely let the when I release this, listen to it over like a couple times. <laughs> but I appreciate you. that. Thank yeah, it was you. a great time. Thank you. You're welcome.